Hello and welcome to Pointcast. This is Francine Dash and I'm here with one of our Pointcasters, Josh. Hello, hello. And thank you so much for weathering the bad weather that we're having. <laughs> I appreciate you coming in. No problem. So we have Josh Hyde here, one of our Pointcasters. And Josh, I want to really go through our recap and uh, the news that you're hearing on the street and kind of uh, get a sense of what voters are talking about in your sphere. Why sure. don't you kick us off, please? Yeah. And I thought, what better way to do that than to kind of turn the traditional format on its head? Normally, you're someone who kind of feeds discussion into other people normally about a few specific topics. Right. So I thought I would do something very similar. I would I would bring to you what I've heard, what I've seen, mm -hmm. and kind of get your opinion on it. Okay. Just And we have a quick discussion about okay. it. Um, as little or as much as you want. It really depends on how much you have to say. Okay. So let's let's, let's start with the Friday poll. Gun violence. Mm. Mm -hmm. Who do you blame? For gun violence in America, personally. Well, I, I I think there's a couple of layers on that. Ultimately, the the person pulling the trigger is is the one that that you would blame. You know, the gun in and of itself is is an object, but there are circumstances that we kind of create in this country that, uh, you know kind of help people to get to the point where they think that guns are the answer, right? We, we, we champion um, gun violence in a lot of our entertainment. And if you have people of a certain persuasion that, you know, most everyday people are going to go through life and things not affect them, but some people are really impressionable. And if they're going through a thing um, and their emotions get the better of them, you know, they're, they might turn to a gun being the answer, whether it is shooting at someone else or even themselves. Very fair. So uh, I, I think that, um, you know, we, we have to not just look at, oh, it's just a person pulling the trigger. Well, of course it's the person pulling the trigger, but what are the circumstances that led up to that person pulling the trigger? Can we, can we work backwards and see if there's a root cause that we can address collectively as a society that can stem that tide, that can lessen the you know the numbers of that happening more in the future okay and so a follow-up question that would be in in a perfect world if mm -hmm. you could control you know aspects of government or things of that nature mm -hmm. how would you attempt to combat gun violence if you if you had there's that kind a of lot power? of great ideas out there um i personally like gun ownership i do not own a gun but i like the idea that if i chose to that i could I don't own a gun because it's not necessary in the world that I live in. It's not necessary amongst my friends or is not a part of my everyday living. Right? Uh, but some people want to own a gun for a variety of reasons. Um, I think that for, you know, militaristic weapons, I would look at um, how accessible the uh, bullets are. Mm. And I would be simply because I think with all of the registries out there and all of the hard work that people are doing, we're going to miss some people and some people are going to take advantage of those loopholes. So I, I would look at, um, you know, but they all are going to eventually need bullets if they want to use them. True. So I would, I would look at the ammunition, you know, that, that people need. Not everybody makes their own ammunition. I know that there's some people who try to YouTube that knowledge, but I would, I would look at uh, the ammunition. I would also look at, uh, you know, have people that, and I'm sure they are looking at those sites where they show people how to, 
to make those sorts of things to get a sense of you know just the vibe of what's going on out there if nothing else but i would really price the bullets in such a way that it would inhibit um rampant use that, that would actually i think personally that that would be a good way to combat it because i mean without the bullets it's literally just a piece of it's a piece of metal yeah metal wood whatever mm -hmm. whatever it's made out of and i i think you know in in regards to you know my own thoughts uh for the the gun violence issue i think that there's a very big difference in my opinion between like a simple handgun and then like an automatic assault weapon mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. really just like a hunting rifle and then an assault weapon mm -hmm. where I think that there can be logical reasons aside from using them on people mm -hmm. for people to mm -hmm. have and use several different types of weapons that already right. exist. Right. And then you get into having, I don't know, like a combat shotgun, right? right. It, it's called a combat shotgun. Right. What else For do you reason. do with it? Right, exactly. So I think my biggest issue is the the availability and glorification of these like army grade weapons. Like, it makes people feel powerful when yeah. they could shoot off these things like they do in the movie. But the movies don't show the lasting ramifications or, or the, the impact and the harm and hurt it causes communities. Why would they? Right, exactly. Um, and, and it does great for, for gun sales. So, yeah, you, you're, you're right there. I, I, I agree with you. But I, I would definitely combat weapons. I don't, I live in a city. And I've had a situation where I thought someone was looking at my car funny and it looked like they were going to break into it. I called the police. They were there in two, three minutes. So I don't have a, I don't live in an area where the police are 90 minutes away. I don't hunt for my food. Um, I feel really safe where I live. So I, I, it removes all of the reasons why I personally would have a gun. Now, there are gun enthusiasts who like to go out and shoot. There's nothing wrong with that. They go out and I've been on a range before. I've shot and and, and, and that's cool. That's fine. I, I wasn't shooting at anyone. I right. was shooting at a target. But um, And then I left. I used their guns and I left. So, I, again, I just didn't feel the need because I don't target shoot at home. That's fair. So, um, but yeah, it, it's for for me, it's very reasonable for me to not have a gun. But going back to my earlier point, I like the fact that I can own one if I wanted to. I agree. I think that there's nothing wrong fundamentally mm -hmm. with gun ownership. Mm -hmm. But I think when weapons of a certain type get into a certain person's hands like mm -hmm. you said some people are very impressionable yeah. um i think that's really where we start to see some of the problems that mm -hmm. we have mm -hmm. here in america and i whenever i talk with people mm -hmm. a, a lot of it really stems from or a lot of the pushback that i hear mm -hmm. really stems from the idea that the government's going to take away guns they're going to remove them from you yeah. and I mean, if, if we really examine the legislature, it, it's not really what they're doing at all. But yeah. I feel like that's what people are saying they're doing. Well, you know, it does a great thing to drum up fear amongst fearful people. Um, you know, in the Constitution, you know, it's drumming up an old fear a couple of hundred years old. And um, the government is not going to reach in and, and, and take anybody's guns. But we do have to be responsible in how we regulate gun ownership. I mean, you know, we regulate car ownership, Fair. you know, and uh, people are just moseying along. We have accidents here and there, but we, we regulate a lot of things in this country. 
Uh, we regulate the alcohol and tobacco. Uh, you know, we have a whole agency for, well, there's actually firearms in that too. But, <laughs> um, but my point is, you know, we're, regulation is a part of our everyday lives. Fair regulation, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I don't have a fear of losing the right to bear arms. I don't, it's so firmly planted in the, in the constitution and in their historical reasons why. But um, yeah, I think not to, not to belabor the point, I, I think that we're, we're fine there, but we do have to find some sort of, of space where police officers can go on the streets and police and not be afraid that they're going to get shot. The normal person going to and fro it doesn't feel like they're going to get in a road rage with some person who might not be mentally stable and they won't get, you know, people are walking around with all of these different concerns and, um, or someone like me having someone mosey around my vehicle, you know, what if that person wielded a gun, you know? So, um, regulation is necessary. Um, gun ownership is, is, is good to have, but you know, we, we need to think about the world we're living in today, not just the fear of government taking away our guns. No, it's, it's, it's really about, can we save more lives from gun violence? I think that should be the point as well. Mm-hmm. I think so. So with that, let's go ahead and move on to my next point. Uh, okay. this is, this is the, the second thing that kind of spoke to me at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, there were several, uh, you, if if you follow us on Pointcast, you would have seen the the articles about them. There there were a couple of situations in where um, people were denied uh, appealing the mm, death penalty. Death penalty, yes, yes. And I was curious to see what your thoughts were, mm-hmm. not necessarily on their situation, because mm-hmm. I feel like it's very different between the two of They're them. They're very different cases. Um, yes. But what what are your thoughts on the death penalty as a whole? I think we need to do a moratorium right now because there's just too many people from my liking that we're finding that are innocent. Um, I I think there's too much, uh, too much of a correlation between people who are impoverished and people and their conviction rates. Um, You know, people not having access to proper representation and then, you know, finally they get someone to listen to them and their DNA tests are run and then they're out of jail. Oh, 30 years later. I mean, there's just, just too many cases where people's lives have been stolen and to do the ultimate, to commit the ultimate theft, to steal someone's life through a death penalty, uh, decision that they may not have earned, um, frightens me. That frightens me more than whole taking the guns away. Um, Uh, Because you can give a gun back, but you can't give a life back. And uh, I'm concerned that we're trying to appease this this part of us that 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 might not even be healthy, you know. Um, And we really need to look at what justice means for all, right? Doesn't it matter that we get the right person for the crime? Doesn't it matter? It should. Doesn't it matter that the right person is put it? Not a person, not a person that has enough circumstantial evidence. And people are being put on death row with circumstantial evidence. Very so um, I, I, um, I'm not, uh, f- you know, in a full throated way against the death penalty, but it troubles me that um, we're not doing enough to really, you know, make sure in some cases that that it's been earned you know i wholeheartedly agree 
Um, there, there are a good number of people, and I'm, I'm pretty sure regardless of what walk of life you, you have, there are lots of people that you probably either know of or personally know mm-hmm. um, that have been either targeted or something along those lines by the criminal justice system right. and maybe have been incarcerated, maybe, you know, anything along those lines. And mm-hmm. I think that, like, what's the best way to say this? A- approaching true justice Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. is really what we should be striving for because like you said there's a good number of people that are currently either incarcerated or even worse you know Mm -hmm. on death row over things that could be overturned with Mm -hmm. proper dna evidence or Mm -hmm. anything along those lines it feels like we're just kind of putting these people away right It, it becomes a matter of convenience so you have uh people of color and people with you know low socioeconomic standing um regardless of color being kind of put away and then we we're done with the thing and and that's not real justice i would agree you know so i am always looking for the opportunity to as a country achieve true justice for all and i I think that means we need to slow down and really kind of think about the way we do justice in this country the way that we you know, prosecute uh, people, the, the, the way that we weigh evidence, you know, there, we, we need to pump the brain, brakes and, and just really look at this thing. This is going to be a slight tangent um, from where I was trying to take you in this Uh-oh. conversation. But I, I think that um, we need to figure out whose justice we're really mm-hmm. searching for. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that throughout most of the time in this America, we've been looking for justice for a specific type or group of people mm-hmm. rather than looking at it, you know, justice for everyone. Right, right. Um, but that, that's not even what I was <laughs> necessarily <laughs> going to ask you. Uh, but before we, before we move on from this, I, I have one more question sure. for you sure. um, about the death penalty as a whole. Yeah. Do you think it is, I know you said you're not necessarily against it. Mm-hmm. So would you be in support of it for someone who was truly responsible for either life-ending or life-altering crime? Um, you know, that's a case-by-case case for me, but, I, you know, you know, you get me when you deal with particularly children. Mm. And um, so, yes, I, I think that I was supportive. We were absolutely certain, and, and I don't even mean we have a confession. I mean, we have actual evidence that uh, links this person to this crime. I mean, it's, it's a, a tightly sealed case. It's not just because this person happened to be on the east side and a crime took place on the east side and they were breathing air in on the east side. <laughs> I mean, they were the person who committed the crime. And and we're certain of that. If we can have that de- high degree of certainty, then unfortunately, yes. I, and I say unfortunately because it's always a sad thing when a life is lost. Um, there's no redemption in that. Uh, but um, I understand that justice has to be carried out. Do you think there are any other options I, that could be put in place of the death penalty aside from life in prison? Right. Um, I'm not sure. I think that that's something for us to explore. That's that's one of the reasons why people would call for a moratorium. And, you know, we can explore other options. We could look at what other countries are doing. We can uh, look at, um, you know, what it does for us societally. Uh, and I think that we all, we usually look at this from the standpoint of the person did crime, now they got to do the time. But we we really don't look at that 
they're doing the time, the impact that it has on all of us. Mm. We don't we don't measure that, or we don't share our measure of that. Um, we don't we don't think about the impact that it might have on their and, and and I know for some people it's hard to have compassion for someone who's found guilty of a crime, but they might have children, they might have families, they might have, and then there's going to be trauma there, right? Of so course. as a society, we might have to run to that rescue. So I like. I think that um, we we should discover ways to rehabilitate where we can. Um, and I don't know what the answer to that might be at this point. I mean, the, but I think there's room to discover answers. I I have a, a follow up question based on something that you you just said. Okay. Um, so you said we should we should look for rehabilitation where it would work. Yes. Do you think rehabilitation works? I do. Okay. I do think rehabilitation works. Rehabilitation is, um, has been, you know, most, many, I shouldn't say most, there are many people who commit crimes who never go to jail. True. Right. Um, and, and some of those people end up, you know, I have quite a few friends and people I know who are therapists who work on helping to change the mental context that people utilize or their perspective that they utilize that got them into that position. Sure. Um, and for some people, it takes time. Uh, for some people, it, it takes healing. You know, there's a, there's a lot of different things going on in a lot of different lives. And a lot of people are broken in a lot of different ways. And I do think that rehabilitation me merely means that we have faith in humanity. We believe that humans are worth the effort. That's to change? All. To change. Absolutely. I and, respect that. Um, if you had asked me a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. I would say that rehabilitation doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I, I would be someone who said if now, obviously there, there are certain factors for this, but if, if they, mm -hmm. if they are meant to go to jail, mm -hmm. they need to stay there. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of like you, you put them so there. Throw so they away can, the key. Not, not, well, kind of, but Bear, at least bury it. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my concern mostly came from people who had, you know, 20, 30 year, sentences like mm -hmm. what are they going to do when they get out mm -hmm. right like mm -hmm. at this point if you go and say when you're 20 you're 50 mm -hmm. what are you doing you're not you're not getting the same job that you would have as a 20 year old mm -hmm. i at that point you would have a criminal record so it would be much harder for you to find a job in general mm -hmm. but what what are you doing as a 50 year old man after you spent 30 years away from whatever family you would have had whatever right. life you would have had mm -hmm. what can you really do other well, than go back to the situation that put you back in prison maybe maybe not but that's the, those are the consequences for that person's decision and that is their opportunity to grow beyond i think that as a society what we our part of the deal is to give that person an opportunity to uh, look at life a different way and to rehabilitate. So after being in jail 20 or so many years, some of those people come out with education that they didn't have or didn't even have access to in their old life. Some people come out clean and they were addicted. Some people come out of just some really, really horrible situations. Some people just come out of a mentality of making a cycle of bad choices. Now, some people are gonna fall back into it. You're absolutely right, because they don't have the strength to get away from the environment that helped them to get into the mistake that they made. But I, some people get it, right? Some people get it. If, that, if that's the case, you know, uh, Centoya Brown, who just, just got out of prison for however long she was in, she was guilty for killing that man. But the context in which 
she was a child being solicited for prostitution and by a grown man and all of these other issues and her other other parts of her history to to think that she is not worthy of rehabilitation i think it's just just wrong to 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 not provide an opportunity for her to to uh redeem herself to herself and to her community is just wrong she owes it not just to her community, but to her family, to herself, to, to come out and be a productive citizen, right? And, and I think we cheat ourselves as a society if we don't put that expectation on people going into jail. Like, okay, you made a mistake, you're in this jail, but you, you know, you have something to work your way up to. You gotta, you know, get back out here when you get a chance and you gotta turn things around. And that has to start at the very beginning, not 10 days before they're released. Fair. You know, so I think that's part of the, issue with people going right back in is um, some of the counseling and the things they do is optional. I wouldn't make it optional. <laughs> it's not, this isn't vacation. This is not a resort. You, you've got, you will be working while you're here. You will be working on you. You know, you'll be working on your addiction. This is, this is like when you go to college or high school, you get a schedule. This is your life now, you know? And, and, and people's minds, you know, whatever you practice is what you become. Whatever these people practice thinking and modeling mentally, they have an opportunity to become that. And can, I believe, become productive citizens. Okay. I respect that. My two cents. <laughs> well, that's all I asked you for, is, is your two cents. A cent and a half. So, um, we're going to shift gears for just a bit. Okay. Talk about something completely different. All right. <laughs> I'm not used to not driving, too, so yeah, go go for it. So, um, one of the one of the recent episodes of PointCast yes. um, showcased someone who had very strong feelings about funding for public schools. Yes. Pretty sure you're familiar with that. Yes, yes. Um, and I believe as... And, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because I only kind of got a snippet of it. Mm -hmm. um, they they believe that the one of the core parts of the problem is the rise and current prevalence of charter schools. That's correct. That was their view. Okay. Mm -hmm. So my question to you then is, mm -hmm. do you share that view? Do you believe that charter schools are part of the problem? I think it's just too convenient to blame charter schools, you know, as a blanket response. I think that there, there are multiple reasons. I think charter schools came about because parents wanted other choices. Some of their public schools or their community schools weren't working for their children. And like anything else in a market society, if this thing doesn't work, somebody else will come up with a different solution. And that's what happened in our education system. And we're just not used to that. We're not used to evolving. Our public schools are not used to evolving in, in that sense and having to compete, compete for dollars. Now, I do think that uh, on the other hand, uh, some public schools were not getting the dollars that they needed. They weren't getting the support that they needed. We weren't getting the teacher training that they needed. The students weren't getting the the services that they needed. I mean, all of these things work together to cause charter schools to become a viable option for some families. These, these classrooms in those charter schools are not sitting empty. True. Okay, they're filled with children from families who have faith in those schools. The question is, why don't people have faith in public schools the way they used to? Right. And, and those are, you know, the way that you get to the right answer is to start with asking the right questions. And I just don't think that we we necessarily have the heart to ask ourselves the right questions yet. I agree. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was a there was a point that she had made, um, I think, fairly early on in the interview 
which is that the model for business uh-huh. does not work right. with education. And right. you kind of hinted on that just a little bit. You know, right. if if this group isn't doing it for you, another group will. Right. Because, again, this is mostly about finances. Right. If right. Um, public schools, at least in my opinion, had the resources that some of these charter schools do, if they had the backing and the funding uh-huh. that they have obtained, right. there wouldn't need to be a reason for charter schools to exist. Some people don't think that public schools should ever have to compete for their dollars. Some people don't believe that public schools should ever have to uh, prove that they need the money, what have you. I I think public schools, if they're government-funded schools, they should be funded properly. I do agree with that. But I do believe that some of these schools were failing. You know, I've, I've walked through some of these schools where they will track children very early on and decide that these children are not worth the extra effort of a student because the, the teacher thinks that there's something wrong with the student. I have a perfect example. I took my child out of a public school, uh, school 27, and they told me that my, my daughter was not going to pass and that she wasn't capable of passing because she uh, did not have uh, the, the, they were concerned on that she had a surgery and that she wasn't getting enough oxygen to her brain, I want to remember it correctly, and that it was, a going, it was affecting her learning. Now, they, they decided this amongst themselves because she had adenoid surgery and, um, and that because uh, she didn't do well on a reading test, one test, that she needed an IEP. Hmm. And they told me that I was lucky to get an IEP at School 27 because, hey, it's better than just the regular public schools. Even public schools do that amongst themselves, right? So I, I, you know, being the mother that I am, I promptly took my daughter out of that school. I promptly took her to get tested and found out that my daughter was actually a really good student. This is an A student now. She's a junior in high school and she'll be finished with almost all of her high school work. She's actually looking to take college and high school courses and be uh, in her second year of college by the time she graduates. This is the same student, this straight A student, that this school decided wasn't worthy of their teacher's time. So let's put this kid on our IEP track, send this kid out of the classroom to an instructional assistant and and be done with her. And, and, and the thing, the scary thing is, I wonder how many other children whose parents didn't take them out of those schools, how many geniuses are lost in IEP land? Well, not even that. I, w- I would say how many of them fall into that same trap and then end up in the criminal justice system? Exactly. And and um, one of the things that I you, do, you, you have to be realistic about your children's abilities, what they can and cannot do. Um, you have to be you can't be one of those. My child never you, know, you can't do that. You know, one of the things I like to. Uh, that I'm proud of is that, you know, I know my daughter thought she wanted to be a singer. I was like, dear, that's just not your gift. I'd go read a book (laughs) that you can do. (laughs) So I'm not dishonest with my kids about their abilities or whatnot. I'm very honest with them and about them. And I knew that in that moment that my child was being tracked. I knew that in that moment, someone was deciding not just that moment, but her entire future. Mm. And my daughter said that she wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. They were shutting her down and telling her that she couldn't be that because she didn't pass one reading test. And I had her go out to another school to take the same reading test and found out that my daughter has test anxiety issues. She took that without pressure of time. She did it very well. She went uh, to St. Monica's, a really good school, straight A student. You can go and ask to ask any teacher, you know? And uh, so it, 
it saddens me to say that maybe public schools have earned some of this. I believe that they have. You said that they were failing. I 100% agree with that. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I actually believe personally, and this isn't just coming from me being married to someone who actually works at a charter school. Mm -hmm. I really do believe that charter schools are the solution Mm -hmm. to the public school problem Mm -hmm. because I think that most of these charter schools, I can't say all of them because I I don't know all of them, but I have have very much experience with a few of them. Well, there's some good ones and some bad ones. True. You know, just like anything else. But ultimately, they are like child focused. Yes. Where I think in many of the situations that I've seen, Mm -hmm. I've walked through some of these schools myself, Mm -hmm. um, many of the public schools are dollar focused, Mm -hmm. are, you know, track focused. There, Mm -hmm. There are lots of things that they do to take the child's want and future mm-hmm. out of the equation and instead of guiding them to where they want to go mm-hmm. they tell them where they should go right right and and that bothers me a lot because you know the public school system hasn't always been fair to to african americans definitely not and and so when i'm sitting there and i'm looking at my little black daughter sitting there telling them but i want to be a surgeon and they're like hush child we're going to do this iep because you don't have the capacity to read well and i'm burning up and <laughs> thinking that imagine. how many parents are falling for this mm-hmm. you know so you, first of all you got to be an advocate for your child no matter what school you send them to Pro- public private i've done i've done them all i've done public i've done charter i've done private um and but you also have to be honest about their abilities and and be honest with your children and put them in an environment where they can when they can prosper and do well i agree now, um, one last question I have sure, for you. Sure, sure. Um, if you, kind of like before, when I said, you know, if you had the power to change legislation, government, all that other good stuff. Right. If you had the power to change public schools specifically, mm-hmm. how would you go about improving them? What, what, what to you would mean a better public school experience, especially as someone who has put a child through right. public school right. and been unsatisfied? Right. You know, I think this... I think these standardized tests have done a lot to mess up good teachers who want to teach. Um, there are a lot of good teachers in those public schools. I've met some of them. They're really good. Um, classroom management is not centered around the teacher-student relationship anymore. Um, that's, that's, that's something that needs to be restored. Um, community schooling and all of that is great, but you need those other things as well. You know, I, I think that teachers being forced to teach to a test um, really does a lot more damage than good because those teachers know their students mm-hmm. you know they, they they know you know where where the cracks are with these they spend a lot of time getting to know these kids and it's like we don't trust the teachers to teach so you know you're bringing them in but they're going they're following these scripts and they're not I, I think a lot of that, we need to look at how uh, we equip teachers in the classrooms, how we empower them to teach, and and how we empower parents to be strong advocates mm. for those those students. It really needs to be student first. I would agree. I'd agree. Okay. All right. It, well, I, I guess, is, is that the last question for me? I, the seat got really hot over here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good. Well, with that, 
thank you so much for for bringing in the questions and and the things that are important to you um look forward to your next time coming on air and finding it hopefully you won't grill me as, as much as you did this time <laughs> <laughs> no actually this has been great i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed it. this has been a great show thank you so much we have josh hyde our point caster uh who's out in the street you see josh give him a high five let him know what you're thinking so he can bring that in <laughs> and and tell us all about it uh, with that, we want to thank all of our listeners. Check us out on our website, pointcast.news, our Facebook, social media, Twitter, and uh, stay in touch with us. With that, we are out. Thank you, Gail. <laughs>